in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? Shit, no, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. <laughs> I love that quote, Jason. Oh, it's so true. How much bullshit do you have to deal with from other people in the office? <laughs> On a daily basis. Oh, that's probably one of my favorite quotes from that movie. Gotta love that movie. <laughs> Good stuff. Seen it many times. Yeah. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Celluloid Chat, the podcast that Jason and I created where we get together to make some fun top five lists just so we can discuss some movies, have a good time on a weekend evening. So I'm Mike, obviously. Um, and I'm Jason. Good evening, everybody. So I hope everyone's having a good night. <clears throat> Today, we were going to have a new top five list. This is a list that Jason suggested in the last episode. And this is a list to pick out our top five movies with like the best use of soundtrack, or so sound design as I kind of took it. So um, is that correct, Jason? More sound you design? You got it. Okay. You got it, buddy. All right. And as those of you who have listened to us before, you know that we like to start out our show with doing a mystery question for each other that we don't know the what the other person is going to ask. We're just going to ask the question. We're going to wing it because we thought that would be kind of fun to, you know, torture each other like that. So, oh, and I'm sorry. Before we start, I do want to give a special shout out, a special thank you to someone. I want to give a big thank you to one of our first supporters, our first listeners. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. So, Tracy, thank you very much for listening to the show. You're awesome. <laughs> All right, Jason, how would you like to start with your question first? Because I started with mine on the first episode. Sure. Well, I had a couple questions in mind. I decided to go with this one. It uh, and kind of in line with one of my selections for the top five this week. Uh, Mike, if you were in an apocalyptic scenario uh, where starvation was a real issue, okay. a real threat to your existence, would you consume human flesh to stay alive? Wow. Is this a movie question? Hmm. <laughs> You know, I, that's tough to answer, Jason. I know. I've, I've answered survival questions like this before. Where, you know, you always pick out, like, would you keep the water pills? Would you keep the salt pills? Mm -hmm. um, man, you know, I don't know. If it came to me not dying and that's the only way I could not die, I may have to say I may have to try doing that. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, what, can, what else? I mean, it's either that or just die, right? But, you know, it also might depend on who I'm with. Okay. Like okay. I'm, I'm not going to eat my daughter. Oh no no you know, no like we're not, we're not going to we're not going to throw like family members into the mix. Okay. This is just like a generic you know. Okay. Other person. But you know I, um, you know I don't know I'm because you know it's funny that you asked me this because I'm I mean you asked my wife myself and my daughter we're both like incredibly picky eaters mm -hmm. so I almost say like if I you know I've been in survival training stuff when I was in the service and sometimes and. You know, there were times where we have to eat, like, bugs, things like that. And, you know, at first, I had a hard time doing that. Um, so it wasn't until, like, you know, I had absolutely no choice would I have done it and, or did it. So it's like, I would almost have to say at first, I probably would not try to do it. There's, like, mm -hmm. it would be, it's just the idea of me doing it would be so powerful that that might overcome my ability to try to survive by doing that you know by eating right. somebody else 
But right. then when it comes down to it, if you know, at the end, I couldn't even tell you. There's, I don't even think I could guess if I could actually bring myself to do it. I now that I think about, it, I mean, I might just let myself die not to eat a person. And I'm not even opening the whole can of worms. Like if, if you're talking about, you know, living or dead. You know, this is right. just, you know, strictly would you if it was the only other option. Mm-hmm. So. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go more with my second answer. Like at first, I don't know that I could, because it would okay. be really, really, really hard for me. Um, I'm still kind of pondering what this has to do with movies, Jason. <laughs> you know? it, it has to do with one of my selections for the top five. <laughs> I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now, so now you have to tell me what your answer is to this question. <laughs> um, my answer to the question, just in a vacuum, it, would I do it to survive or not? 100% yes. Okay. And do you yes. have reasons why or anything? Uh, I, you know, um, I, I just imagine if you're in that survival instinct is so strong mm-hmm. that um, I don't know how much control the average person would honestly have over it. That's true. Because, I mean, you know, you never know how you're going to react in a crisis situation until you're in the crisis situation, mm-hmm. right? Right. You might train. Right. I know guys that were in the military trained to, you know, do things in combat and stuff. But, but the moment they're in there, they lock up, they freeze, they can't do, you know, they can't get their job done. So. Right. Right. Um, you know. It's it, it, the reason I wanted to ask this. It's um, it comes up time and time again. Some of my favorite movies are, are you know, deal with the issue of cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most realistically horrifying scenes that I've ever seen mm-hmm. is uh, the adaptation of uh, Cormac McCarthy's book The Road. If you've seen it with yeah, um, with uh, Vigo Mortensen. Yeah, yeah, Vigo. I was I gonna say Vigo, Rain, so that's not right. Mortensen. Right. Um, the scene in the basement of the house where all those people are being kept is basically, you know, lambs to the slaughter. Right. The most realistically horrifying scene that I've ever seen. Yeah, right. it's, you know, so that, yeah. I don't, I don't even know if I like that movie that much. <laughs> oh, I've, yeah, I've rewatched it several times. Rewatched it on my birthday a couple of years ago. But I love uh, the real dire apocalyptic scenes. So, right. Do you like, uh, have you read the book? Oh, yeah, yeah, loved it. Good stuff. I have not read the book, but I know I have seen the movie. In fact, I may have the movie on DVD, but I can't recall. I, can't I will say this. Cormac McCarthy loves his sentence fragments. He has his own style for writing, for sure. Oh, Doesn't it. conform to any kind of you know grammatical rules. Well, that sounds like, uh, what's the guy who wrote the Black Company books? Glenn Cook or something like that? I got it. Mm-hmm, I, I don't know. I couldn't read his books because it was just, the English was so bad on the... Literally, Jason, on the first page of the book, I was ready to put it down. Mm, I see. Because I was like, this is just, I can't, I can't make sense of it because it was just like gobbledygook to me. (laughs) So I was like, wow, I have no idea. Well, Mike, do you have a question for me this evening? I do have a question for you. And, you know, I think I recall why you wanted to ask that question because I remember what you recommended to me in the first episode. Right, right. (laughs) So now it makes a little more sense. I gotcha. So, all right. Well, all right, Jason. We're going to lighten up the mood a little bit, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you know that I told you in the past that I like old movies, especially being a Bogart fan. Correct. Especially ones that are like film noir and things of that nature. So what I want to say to you is I want to ask you is what do you think of the idea of still filming movies in black and white today? And I don't mean for like a, a budgetary reason or technical reason like in the past. I mean just literally making a movie in black and white. It's kind of already been successfully done in films, you know, like Schindler's List was basically mm-hmm. black and white. 
Right. And I want to know what your opinion is of people filming movies in black and white still. There, there's definitely a place for it, and it gives the whole thing a, a, a totally different feel. Um, yeah, I, I fully support it. Um, you know, we talked about Night of the Living Dead last time. You know, it was in black and white in in '68, where it still had the full. You know, it could have been in color easily, but of course, it was sh- shot on a shoestring budget, so that had something to do with it. Right. But <clears throat> fully support it. Good. I'm actually glad to hear that because I actually really like movies in black as well. Because um, you know, they turned when it, they came out on video, they turned Mad Max Fury Road and Logan into black and white on the Blu-rays, and they're amazing in black and white. Um, I really like, especially Fury Road. It's it looks incredible in black and white. It's like a different, like you said, a different feel to the movie. Now, I definitely wouldn't want to watch like Return of the Jedi in black and white, something like right. that. That <laughs> wouldn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, I'm myself and big into black and white movies. Um, so I wanted to read to you a quote that I actually um, wrote down for this episode to read to you about um, feelings about black and white movies. This is a 1989 essay called Why I Love Black and White by Roger Ebert. And this is just a little snippet of something he wrote about uh, movies being made in black and white. Okay. So what he said is, There are basic aesthetic issues here for black and white. Colors have emotional resonance for us. Black and white movies present the deliberate absence of color. This makes them less realistic than color films, for the real world is in color. They are more dreamlike, more pure, composed of shapes and forms and movements and light and shadow. Color films can simply be illuminated. Black and white films actually have to be lighted. With color, you can throw light in everywhere, and the colors will help the viewer determine one shape from another, and the foreground from the background. With black and white, everything would tend towards a shapeless blur if, if it were not for meticulous attention to light and shadow which can actually create a world in which the lighting indicates a hierarchy of moral values. Interesting. That was something he wrote on. Of course, it's it's a lot bigger of an essay. That's just like his main point of the essay, And but I really, really like that he talked about that ages ago. I mean, that was 1989, so... Uh, two interesting tidbits. You know, um, what they use for blood effects a lot in black and white movies, uh, chocolate syrup quite often. Yep. Because it yeah. ran better. It looked better on film. Right, right. <laughs> that and uh, something else interesting I read the other day. Uh, Wizard of Oz, when it came out, was usually the first color movie anyone had seen at the time. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, it's oftentimes the first black and white movie someone sees. That's pretty funny. I'm glad you yeah. know that, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> that is something I don't think I knew myself. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm still a big fan of black and white movies. There are some color movies I've seen to this day that I'm like, that would be really good in black and white. You know? What do you think? Um, you have one on, on mind? We'll get to that later. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So, all right, well, that was a very interesting set of questions, Jason. <laughs> so how about we will get to our list our top five list of uses of soundtrack or sound design in movies sounds fine sir all right now i believe since you asked you posed this question to me i think it only fair i guess if i start my list first Um, but of course i'm gonna ask you do you have any honorable mentions you would like to say i have one honorable mention uh i'll save it till after a couple years if you're okay with that oh that'd be great i have four 
Um, and I have a sneaky, I have a kind of goofy reason for uh, putting one of them on my honorable mentions list. And I'll mention that one first since I'm bringing it up. My first honorable mention is a movie that I didn't pick it based kind of on sound design of a movie, like how the movie was, the, the sound itself was designed for the movie to make the shots and things. This is one of those movies where I actually did choose it because of the way they actually used the music soundtrack in the movie. Okay. I put it on an honorable mentions list because anybody who listens to our show, and that would include you yourself, Jason, if you haven't seen this movie, I would love for you to see this movie. This movie is just such a fun movie. It's well done. There's great acting in it and everything. And it's kind of a mix between like a heist movie, sort of, and a movie mixed with like Fast and the Furious. And this movie is called Baby Driver. I have not seen it. It is absolutely incredible. Um, the main character of the movie, um, this this won't spoil it for you. This is something you would read like on the back of the box if you had the movie in your hands. Right. Um, he suffer. He's a driver, um, and he's young. They call him Baby because he looks really young. Um, if, not, if, if that's not his real name in the movie, I can't recall. Anyway, he is a driver, like you would think of like Jason Statham in The Transporter. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. Sure. He gets hired by um, groups of people to drive, um, getaway cars, basically. And he's fantastic at driving in the movie. There's some really good scenes of where they do some good stunts in the cars. Um, but he suffers from, I think it's called tinnitus where he gets like a ringing in his ear constantly. Sure, sure. Tonight is right. So mm-hmm. he plays music on, you know, on an iPod and he has different iPods depending on like what job he's going to do or what mood he's in and he basically just plays music the entire time he drives. Kind of reminds me of um did you ever see the old 1980s movie called Iron Eagle? Can't... Oh boy. Uh, you know, I think I have. I can't recall right now yeah. though. It came out basically, I guess, because of the uh, you know Top Gun craze back then. Was it a was it a helicopter movie? No, it was about jets. But I think it was um, Lewis Gossett Jr. was in it, and there was a young okay. kid in it who was basically trying to find his father. I think who was shot down in a jet, and he he learned how to fly from his father sneaking him into planes. But the only way he could fly in the movie, you know, the, that he could actually dogfight with someone, was he had to play a music tape that was like strapped to the console of the jet he couldn't play if that music wasn't playing he was he was dog crap terrible okay Uh, but once he popped that tape in and it was listened to this music that got him like all emotional and fired up he could like shoot down anyone out of the sky it was just crazy but it was just a goofy 80s movie you know that they basically were just trying to rip off top gun at the time but that kind (laughs) of is what this kid reminds me of in that movie or in this movie that he just uses music to drive and stuff it's just awesome i'll put that on a list to watch yeah it's very very fun i've like i know a lot of people who were like hesitant to watch it and once they watched it they actually really really liked it and that was me i, I wasn't sure i wanted to watch it and i loved the movie once i watched it <clears throat> so let's see so i'll go on to my second honorable mention jason then you can give me yours okay uh, i picked a movie that you know my background, so this movie has a little bit more uh, meaning for me than than necessarily just any other person. But that movie is American Sniper. Sure. Okay. Gotcha. Really, really well done sound design for this movie that Clint Eastwood directed. Um, I believe it was up for the Oscar for Best Sound Design. Whether it won it, I can't mm-hmm. recall, but I believe it was up for an Oscar. It's just 
it's a well-rounded, well-made movie, and I appreciate the story. I appreciate, um, you know, the guys that made the movie, the job they did. I mean, of course, like any other supposed true story movie, especially based on the military, you never can tell what's exactly real in the movie. Well, there's you know, there's going to be some embellishments in anything, but yeah. especially keep things safe, you know. So right, but so that. I was on my honorable mentions list. It almost kind of made in my top five because the sound is really well done in the movie, but it's, mm-hmm. I'm keeping more of my top five the movies that I actually would watch like over and over, you know, so. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. So why don't you give me your honorable mention, Jason? My one honorable mention, uh, I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen it many, many times, uh, Predator. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was actually one I considered putting on – yeah, but it's not on my list, I'll tell you that right, right now. Right, right. The sound throughout it is incredible. It's all well done. The, the soundtrack's great. Um, all, all, the, all the sound effects, with, especially with the, uh, with the Predator himself, uh, it's, uh, it's one of my favorites. Yep. Oh, yeah. I still love that movie. I watched it like a month ago. Love that. Right. Thing. And there's right. a 3D version of it, if you can believe that, on Blu-ray what? that you can watch. Okay. Huh. <laughs> they came back and like updated it with 3D, so I bought that. Right. Uh, not long ago, I just haven't watched it yet. I want to see it. They're also, Top Gun. There's a Top Gun 3D version as well. Mm. So, so many great characters. Uh, Jesse Ventura is oh, yeah. is, is great. Uh, Jesse the it's, body it's, or Jesse the mind? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd say kind of a mix of both because I, th- I believe he carries the minigun for most of this, doesn't he? Yes, he does. If I remember correctly, <laughs> so the body more more so, but some of his one-liners are definitely the mind. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was, you know, they just don't make movies like that anymore. You know, it's, uh, I think everything has to be so complex these days. Nobody can just make a simple, straight to the point movie and stuff. You know, but right, right. I love that. I love that movie, Jason. That's a great pick. Well, you know, but it also kind of tackles the man versus the old man versus nature struggle in a in a new way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the predator, you know, su- such a natural being, and uh, you know, it's all he can do to defeat him. So, oh, yeah. good stuff. So you know the little like um, if I could do the sound I would do it, but the one that little kind of like little clicking sound. That's exactly what I had in mind when okay. I chose this. Yes. Well, the yeah. funny thing about that is my good buddy that I was you know best friends with forever since high school. Um, he could make that sound. He would just like open his mouth and he would do it like in the back of his throat. Mm-hmm. And but for the longest time I didn't know he could make that sound. And I remember he and I were in a movie theater watching a different movie. You know, years later, after mm-hmm. Predator was out, and he would he would just every once in a while he would make that sound in the theater. And I'm like looking around like where the hell is that coming from? What is that? You know, and I can't even tell that it's coming from him. And he's sitting right next to me. And it took me a while, and I realized it was him. I was like, is that you doing that the whole time? And he's just <laughs> sitting there laughing, right? You know, huh. it was it sounded so perfect, you know. <laughs> a little bit like a like a mutated dolphin. That's what it sounds like to me. It is strange. Yeah. yeah. It, it almost mixed with like a woodpecker. You know? Yeah, a little bit. It's mm-hmm. got that little, you know. It's like <laughs> I don't know how he does that, but it was it made me laugh when he did that in the theater. I was like, that's just hilarious. That and I don't know how good a three dot reticle would actually be, but uh, you know, Predator makes it work, so why not? That's true. Yeah, you know, he just it's. Getting the uh, plane, what is it, the line of sight lined up, right? Right, right. (laughs) All right, well, let me give you my last two honorable mentions. Um, This next honorable mention, very I can't quite say it is, but this very well could be one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. 
um, which I'm sure surprises you that it might not be in my top five on this list, but I don't necessarily like it because of the sound design. I just think the sound design in the movie is well done. Um, and that is the movie Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. I saw that movie twice in the theater the day it came out. I absolutely, absolutely love that movie. I love Russell Crowe in the movie. I love. I even love Connie Nielsen in the movie. I love everything about that movie. And that's that was me. I was like you were with like Night of the Living Dead and things like that. I was always big into like Roman style movies. Mm-hmm. Gladiator, sure. Spartacus, sure. The Fall of the Roman Empire. I love those movies. So Gladiator was a big thing for me. I loved it when it came out, and I, I'll watch it any moment I get. It's just awesome. Joaquin Phoenix, excellent bad guy too. He is. He's like the the weaseliest. You know, he's such a weasel in that movie. Definitely. Yeah. Now my last honorable mention is a movie I grew up watching. I love this movie, and this isn't quite just sound design. It's also a little bit of use of soundtrack in this movie, and you'll understand when I tell you what it is. Um, but I just like, and I wouldn't even necessarily say that this is um, like excellent sound design. I just find that I appreciate and I like it. I think it's it makes the movie having this extra music and stuff that they have in the in the movie and. The movie is Risky Business. You know, I've seen it once. I don't remember it very well. Um, let's see. What year did that come out? Probably 83, 84? Maybe even around earlier. There? Maybe even okay, earlier. okay. Um, it was the first big role that Tom Cruise had. Right. Um, I even watched a little making of thing about him um, doing that. Uh, dance in his underwear at the beginning of the movie. How they. Oh, yeah. It took him forever to set up because I guess when they first did it you know that the house they were using and i guess they weren't in a sound stage they were actually using an actual house um they told him you know just put on these socks and just slide across the room and he was doing that well he was sliding across the entire entrance of the dining room or whatever so he couldn't like stop like he would just keep going so they had they did all kinds of things they like put stuff on the floor and then like all of a sudden he was sliding he would stop and he'd fall down and then did stuff <laughs> do the stuff on his shoes and until finally they've got it worked out but apparently that was one of the longest things that they did for that movie was getting him to be able to just slide into the opening of that doorway so he could start that dance (laughs) wow i see but i just remember loving the like the music when he takes his dad's porsche 928 out of the garage for the first time and it's got that you know it's just (laughs) like he's a badass coming out of that garage you know i love that music you know so and the chase scenes where he's being chased by Guido the Killer Pimp and all this other stuff. So, I love that movie. Just didn't quite make it my top five. Understood. <laughs> all right. Oh, Jason, shall we move on to our actual list, our actual top five? Absolutely. I'm ready when you are. All right. Well, I did say I would go first, and I will do that. So, my first – well, I should say number five, my first mm-hmm. movie pick for the list, number five – um, isn't it necessarily a movie I would watch more than Gladiator or Risky Business, but I definitely think the sound design for this movie is excellent, and I think people definitely recognize some of this music. Um, even if you haven't seen this movie, you probably recognize some of the sounds from this movie, and that is the original Psycho. Oh, of course, man. Yeah, of course. That's iconic. Oh yeah, it's like who doesn't know that stupid shower scene? People make so many right. jokes about that in other movies right. and stuff. Everyone knows that sound. 
Now, that might have been a little chocolate syrup there. It probably was. I'm sure it was. Mm. And I just – and I like Alfred Hitchcock the way he directed. I really like stuff. And he – you know, he – how he put the sound together for the movies and stuff. I do like that movie. I think it was well-designed overall sound-wise. And, of course, the shower scene is what everybody knows. Um, that the shower scene, I think a lot of uh, the driving scenes also with the uh, you know the the, the, the famous music. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of you know, and when there was the surprise turn and all that, the music that builds up to when he turns you know the mother around and all those things. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the sound for that movie was really really well done. Now, is that your favorite Hitchcock movie? Actually, I don't think it's my favorite Hitchcock movie. Um, it's hard thinking of what my favorite Hitchcock movies. I really, really do like North by Northwest. That's one mm-hmm. of my favorites. Right. And you asked me that, and I can't think. There's another Alfred Hitchcock movie for some reason. I can't. Uh, think of it in my Rear head. Window, by chance. It's not Rear Window, but yes, that okay. is in there. Um, it's not Vertigo. It's not The Birds. God, there's one other movie that I really, really like. Maybe it's um. To Catch a Thief? Is that what it's called? I think. I haven't seen that one. And you know, it's odd. I've never seen The Birds either. That's going to sound weird since I love horror. Never seen it. It's just never come up. So. I, I honestly, I like I like that movie, but I it's one of those movies, again, that I think it's not for all tastes. You know, okay. Like, you kind of have to be in the mood to watch that kind of movie. And now, I don't know if it would have the same effect nowadays as it did back then. Right. Some of his other mystery movies, you know, you still think about, oh, my God, what's happening at the end and stuff, whereas that one's a little more of a straightforward, just mm-hmm. kind of man against nature kind of movie. Right. It doesn't have all the crazy twists and stuff, at least that I recall. You know, I think if it did, I would keep it in my head a little bit better. <clears throat> all right, Jason. Well, how about your number five? What is your number five best use of soundtrack or design? Well, going off my uh, question, my secret question that I gave you at the start of the show, uh, 1999 release, Ravenous. Okay. Uh, it does uh, cannibalism is a very big uh, uh, central theme in the movie. Um, the sounds all really well done, uh, soundtrack especially. Uh, it uses a lot of um, era. What, what would you say? Uh, for the for the for the set, it's it, a lot of the instruments are true to the era: right, harpsichord, accordion, a lot of violin, things like that. Gotcha. Uh, a lot of the detail sounds are really well done. If it's perhaps you know you're talking about like a, a bubbling stew on a stove with uh, you know human meat in it, mm-hmm. um, all really well done. Um, Guy Guy Pierce and um, let's see, David Arquette's in it also. Yes, actually, Guy, yeah. Guy Pierce is the one that I do remember from it. Right, I do remember right. last episode that you recommended that I watch it to see if it would mm-hmm. make my list. And right. I don't know. I can't remember if I had told you, but I looked for it everywhere to stream, and I looked to see if I had an old copy of it on DVD or something, and I mm-hmm. couldn't find it anywhere to watch, Jason, so I do apologize. Oh, that's fine, man. You've seen it. You know what I'm talking about, though. Guy Pierce is in I don't know that I'd call him a protagonist, though. Uh, is he the main character? Sure. I don't, I don't know that this – I couldn't in good conscience call him a protagonist. He's the main character. Um, he was definitely but, um, multifaceted. <laughs> yeah, a very round character for sure. Yes. Um, but with, with the themes and things it deals with, it's, it's really hard to call him a, a you know a protagonist. But gotcha. yep, that's my number five pick. Nice. I do remember watching it, and like I said, I do remember liking it. I do. 
I recall not loving the movie, but I definitely did not hate the movie. I found it enjoyable to watch. I think I think it's massively underrated by, in a lot of circles. Um, the 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 soundtrack especially plays into a lot of the um, kind of the isolated atmosphere of the of the fort, yes. where a lot of a lot of the movie set. So yep. Yeah, I do appreciate the work that went into the movie. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> it just you know kind of was not exactly my thing when I watched it. I hear you. Okay, I'm gonna move on to my number four. Are you ready for number four? Let's do it. Alright, so my number four, it was I actually had another movie in this spot previously, and now that movie's not even on my list anymore, and honestly <clears> I can't even remember why I completely took it off my list. It's probably a mistake. But it will go hand in hand with the sound design of this movie. So this movie is what I told you is one of my probably two favorite horror movies ever. And that is the original Halloween. Oh yeah. Dude, that was um, I actually did a lot of reading on that one in preparation for our show today because um, almost had it in there, but not quite. Um, so why did you select this one? Well, I especially so even the way that Carpenter made the scenes where you know Michael like never makes sound and stuff, but yet that his silence actually is really loud. If you know what I'm saying, like every he's very. Especially, like, when he's in the house and, like, you know, she knocks him into the closet and they think he's done and he just is kind of raising from the ground. He's not making any sound, but yet that's, like, the loud – the silence itself is the largest sound of all to me. It has such a, it had such a great effect on me when I watched that movie the first time. Um, and, of course, John Carpenter actually making his own music for the movie. Right, right. Um, I liked that style of movie, and being that I'm like a product of the 80s, that was like mm-hmm. very much kind of 80s style music, even though it was what made in 78, I think. Um, uh, yeah, around there, I believe. Yeah, so that was kind of like, you know, getting into the era of like using keyboards and synthesizers and things like that. Um, I, I just liked the way the sets were made. I liked the, how... Um, again, he, it was almost in some cases, the lack of sound that made that movie good. If that's what I'm sure that's the best way of saying it. Um, so that was how I thought of as the sound design besides him, the music and obviously the, you know, the beginning theme song that everybody knows, um, which I just, I just have always loved that movie. Um, the movie that was attached to this, that's next to it is just another Carpenter film as I liked the music in the escape from New York. Oh, love it. Um, but I think Halloween, probably the sound design, all that is a much better. Um, though I really do like that other movie. But I just mentioned that because it goes hand in hand because they're both Carpenter movies and he did the music for both. Um, but that's big, number four. I'm a big, big fan of Escape from New York. I love Escape and Escape from L.A. Not quite as much, but... Yeah, I like it, but it's not quite the same thing. <clears throat> so, Jason, what is your number four? My number four selection um, from 1977 from the great Dario Argento, Suspiria. Suspiria. You know I have not seen this movie. Oh, dude. Watch it yesterday. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I have never had the opportunity to watch that movie. I believe they're releasing a special uh, version of it on Blu-ray, so I may watch it then. But I Is... for some reason, I just haven't watched it. I love Technicolor. It, it was one of the last, if not the last, like major release in a uh, shot in Technicolor. So, yeah, it's gorgeous from top to bottom. Um, uh, you know, a young girl, she goes to a uh, ballet academy, mm-hmm. and um, 
Germany, I think. Germany or Italy, one of the two. Okay. Uh, so, okay. uh, soundtracks, wonderful from top to bottom. Uh, Goblin, if you're familiar with them, did a lot of work um, for Argento's films. Uh, a lot of uh, synthesizers, that type of stuff. But yeah, okay. wonderful. I, I think more of the Argento movies I've seen have actually been the ones that have his daughter Asia in them. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> Kind of the, the the Gallo top movies. Uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds right. I just remember seeing Asia Argento in, in movies that her dad made. I just can't recall any titles or I can't even remember what they were about to be honest. Right, right. Yeah. This one's kind of you know it starts out service level, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, gets more and more occulty as it goes on. And the uh, this the uh, the music in it definitely plays hand in hand with the developments. I gotcha. Now didn't. Didn't he make a kind of his own version of either a Dracula or a Frankenstein movie? Dario hmm. Argento's Dracula or something, maybe, I'm thinking. I'm not sure. Let me look right here. I've got his uh, IMDb up here. Okay. Uh, da, 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 I feel like da, he made one of those movies, you know, Dracula or Frankenstein. But I, could be, I could be thinking of somebody else. Dracula 3D he did a screenplay for in 2012. I'm not familiar with that. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I was like, he had, he was involved somehow with a Dracula or a Frankenstein type movie. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what it is. Dracula 3D. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. I haven't, I'm not seen that, so I couldn't yeah. tell you. I haven't seen either. I just, well, I was gonna ask you if you knew anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I just, I, I don't know why. I just never, when I, especially watching horror movies. A lot of it was more around, you know, high school, college age when I watched tons of horror movies. And that was because I had right. friends that we'd all go to the theater together, you know, and watch movies. And, you know, back in those days, you would never see like a, an Argento film in the local theater, you know, so. Right. At, at least right. not where I was from, you know, so just never, uh, never really got around to watching many Argento movies. I would highly suggest this one. Um, you know, the young girl, she's she's very confused and naive at the start, and as things unravel, you know, the, the music and everything plays hand-in-hand hand with it, like I said. So I highly suggest it. Well, like I said, I may, when this special edition comes out, I may end up watching it then. I may just buy it. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about the movie, so. Right. Especially because, like I told you, I'm listening to horror podcasts and things, and they talk about that movie, of course. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, Jason, so how about I move to my number three? Absolutely, sir. All right, my number three, I probably won't even need to explain to you again why I like some of the sound design for this movie. Um, pretty much everything on this list, I'm sure, are movies you've seen multiple times. Um, but the, my number three is the movie, the newer one, The Dark Knight, the Batman movie. Oh, yeah, wonderful. I like all the things that he did for sound design in this movie. I even like when, like, he would be riding, like, the bat cycle and turn and then the mm-hmm. sound that it made. Mm-hmm. It just, I, I got a kick out of that. I just really, really liked it. Um, anytime Heath Ledger's coming into a scene to do stuff and the music of the background of his entrance and things was really good. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we've talked – have we talked about this movie in the past, you and I? Maybe not on the not in the last episode, but just in okay. general, I think. It just in Shadows. general. Yes. Um, I, Heath Ledger uh, in that in that movie, I think it's one of the best acting jobs ever. Yeah, I, I mean, him. it's it's just incredible. Great job. And, and you know, I've watched it, I don't know how many times, and I can even remember that there was something that I didn't even pick up on that he was saying 
the first time in the movie. It wasn't until I watched the movie a second or third time that I even understood <laughs> what he was saying in a scene. And it's literally one of his first main scenes where he goes in there to talk to like all the mob bosses and he says, do you guys want to see a magic trick? Oh yeah. And slams and, the, the guy's face on the pencil. Wonderful. Yeah, I, for some reason, like the first time I watched that movie, I didn't even understand that he was saying, do you guys want to see a magic trick? I didn't like I, <laughs> if the words that he was saying just weren't clear to me, but I was just so, I was so focused on watching his facial expression and everything. I wasn't listening to what he was saying. That's, <laughs> Definitely one you pick up on new things every time you watch it. Yeah. I mean, he is, like you said, being such a good acting job. I liked his acting in that movie because of the way he physically acted as well as <laughs> how he spoke, right? It wasn't just right. his speaking. It was all his gestures. And I was so focused on what he was doing, putting that pencil down and everything. I wasn't listening to what he was saying. So it just um, Kind of along to, with, with, uh, with, with sound effects in, in, in that film. Um the scene where he blows up the hospital. You remember he's dressed as the nurse, of course, yes. and he's walking out. <laughs> yes. And he, he hits the first switch and it goes off. But he, then he clicky, 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 clicky. The, the, that <laughs> is a ama- the, the the sound effect on that him hitting that switch. Foley artist really knocks it out of the park with that. Oh, yeah, it's, it's just funny. it's so satisfying. Everything is good about the movie. I just love it. It's that's I just love everything about that movie. I know people who I have watched that movie with in the past that thought it was like the most boring movie ever. How? Yeah, I'm like, because, you know, I guess, you know, they go see Batman. They think, I just want to see him, like, kicking the crap out of guys all the time. Okay. That's not the way Batman really was designed, even when he was written the comic books. It was more of a, it was detective type books. He was like a crime fighter. He wasn't a superhero, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's no way that they will ever do a better job than the Nolan Batman series. (laughs) It just... I mean, I like Michael Keaton and people I know still praise him and stuff. And I think that's something we also mentioned to you, you know, in the past that I wasn't the biggest fan of Nicholson's portrayal of the Joker and Batman. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So when the movie came out in the theaters, I loved it. But when, like, I loved the movie itself because I really was into seeing a Batman movie at the time. But I remember that I, you know, I grew up from a little boy reading Batman comics. It was one of the few DC comics I watched or read because I was more of a Marvel person. And, I mean, Jack himself has said that he intentionally overacted that movie, that role. Um, But to me, it was almost more like he was being closer to the um, fun but still kind of silly TV show than he was being the portrayal of the real bat or the real Joker from the comic books. And I was right. more, I wanted the comic book and that's Heath Ledger. Right. <laughs> so he wasn't like, he wasn't, you know, mentally disabled. He was actually this weird evil genius. That's what I wanted to see. I didn't want to see him acting like a crazy person. Chaotic neutral or sorry, chaotic evil for sure. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, that was my number three, Jason. What is your number three? My number three, uh, Quentin Tarantino and Glorious Bastards. Oh, as soon as you said that, I was thinking something else. <laughs> nope, nope. Now, dude, uh, yeah, believe me, th- he does a great job always with this sound stuff. There's two particular scenes I want to point out in this. Um, the first one being uh, when they first introduced the Bear Jew, played by Eli Roth. And he's, if you remember, he's back in, I believe it's a train tunnel. Mm-hmm. And you hear him banging the bat on the sides of the rails, gotcha. and it, as it approaches, oh, it's great! So well done. You can see the fear build in the two Germans they have captured there. 
but yeah, without seeing the guy, you know, the the sound introducing him is wonderful. Um, the second one being they call it Chapter Five in the movie. Uh, the, the, the protagonist, um, Shoshana, um, she's getting ready, you know, for the big, the big finale where they, where they burn the Nazis alive. Um, one particular scene, uh, it's kind of a montage almost, but it uses David, David Bowie's cat people, um, you know, putting out fire with gasoline and so on. Um, (laughs) wonderful, wonderful little montage scene there with that, with that, uh, with that song. Uh, if you, I'll tell you what, I got one more. I just thought of it. Got one more. Um, if you remember at the start of the movie, uh, or near towards the start, um, Christoph Waltz is interrogating a gr- the the group of people in the in the little uh, hovel or hut mm-hmm. where they're they're hiding the Jews underneath. I think the silence in between his words there, as he's questioning them, is so heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, just just a great job. So pause can be just as yes. powerful as saying something. Right. Right. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's um, talking about how we're saying things like you know the silence was actually the loudest thing and the pause was the most powerful thing and it saying those kind of things and that you kind of appreciate the same things that I do it makes me mm-hmm. think about um, I used to watch um, what's his name I can't why can't I think Michael Caine Michael Caine um, he had this. You could get it. It was funny because you could actually get it like on VHS tape. Because I remember watching the whole thing. It was like an hour long, kind of like how to act properly for film um, documentary kind of thing. He did almost like a class. Um, and I remember it's funny because I saw that back in, gosh, it had to be mid '80s when I watched that video that he made. And the whole the whole course he was talking about was like. This is the difference between just average or good actors and unbelievably fantastic actors. But this is acting for film, not stage, not anything like that. It was strictly for the camera. Okay. And so there was little tidbits he would say in there. Like I remember him saying things like, you know, when you're – um, if you're turning your head this direction and the camera, the camera should be coming up from the ground to hit this side of your face. But if you're turning the other direction – the camera should be doing more of a head-on shot because it looks better from that direction of a person's face. And um, he would always say, like, when someone's giving a a fairly long, like, monologue to somebody, or, you know, like, because you know a lot of movies these days, there's always somebody saying some long speech in some point in the movie. Sure. He was saying that when you would look down at the people that you're talking to in the movie, which is the way he said it, he's like, you would kind of look down at them, you don't blink. You never see the great actors blink at all when they're making this really, like, dire or serious speech in the movie. But nowadays, you know, you see, yeah, you see, just everyday actors—they're just blinking like normal. But they're they're speaking well, they're moving well. But he said that, you know, it's like, but you can really tell the guys that really have a lot of power in their face are the guys who are intentionally not blinking when they do stuff. That takes a lot of concentration. It does. And I've done. I've. I've done that. I've sat there and tried to like not blink and talk and say something for a while, and it's not exactly easy. Mm-mm. And to do it, like say maybe over and over for multiple takes too, and remembering your lines and all that stuff going together. But it was just how he was picking out these little nuances between different actors, right? Like he, you know, this guy's doing a good job, but now watch this guy do the same scene, and the other guy's face was just more like you know coming at you kind of thing. 
And I wish I could find a copy of that thing. I mean, I should probably go like and see if somebody ever put it on YouTube or something. But I just remember him doing that. It was like this course that he was just, this is how you act properly for film and the camera. I, was, hmm. I just thought it was amazing. <laughs> you know. And he said things like you said, sometimes it's better to pause for a certain amount of time than to keep talking. You know, it was all these little bitty things that maybe not every actor would know, right? Right. So, he was just the king of that kind of stuff back then. So, yeah, I appreciated that. So, let's see. I think we're on now to my number two, if I'm not mistaken. You got it. All right. So, again, my number two is something I know you've seen probably a hundred times, I'm going to guess. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I like – I like – not just the sound of the atmosphere in this movie or the music to this movie, but I like all the little devices in the movie, the, the sounds they make. And I'll specify some when I tell you what it is. Mm. Every little thing about it. And again, when there's moments of silence, uh, I like those moments too. And that is the second one, the movie Aliens. Not Alien, Aliens. Excellent choice. Right. Like, I love, I even like, you know, when they had those little motion trackers and they're tracking the movement of the aliens, I like the little, you know, blip noise that that thing is making. It's just, and the guns in the hallway, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, to me, though, they were, like, you never heard guns shoot like that. They didn't sound real. They sounded more like futuristic, you know, I don't, not, they weren't laser rifles. They they were still, like, shooting basically bullets. Right. They just had a different sound to them, like, you know, it was a different material bullet or something that they're shooting and they're not using gunpowder they're using something else you know i may have thought about this too much i always thought there was some kind of caseless ammo it's very you know possible. What I mean? it's very yeah. very possible but it just all those little sounds and then you know when there's times where you know like newt is hiding and there's there's a lot of quiet and then like the aliens that comes up out of the water and stuff i just loved every sound you know mm-hmm. in that whole entire movie the whole thing was just so well designed and I, but I'm a big Cameron fan too. I like a lot of stuff he's done in movies. So that is my number two. I just love that movie, Jason. How do you feel about uh, compared to the first one? <clears throat> well, to me, they're like totally different. Actually. They are. They I feel are. Like the first one is like a sci-fi horror movie. Mm-hmm. It absolutely the, is. The second yeah. one is more like a sci-fi action movie. Action, you know? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think because you know the the one alien in the first one, you know, makes it more of you know, I don't know, it's it's more claustrophobic being on the and ship too. And he's like uh, stalking them basically. He's right. keeping them down. You know. Right. Right. He's like actually, it's more like he's a monster than an alien. And that, mm-hmm. at that point, mm-hmm. you know, where the second one, it's just, they're coming at him in droves like an army. Well, they're know? also they're known then. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And they're known right. to be intelligent and stuff. Like they're another right. race, not an, an actual creature, you know. And they, you know, they cut the power. How do they cut the power, you know? <laughs> and you know, you can't get past all the quotes from that movie and stuff. Like, oh, I love that movie. It's like, oh, we need now is a deck of cards, you know. Like, <laughs> I love that movie. Huh. I used to quote that thing for days when I watched that movie. <laughs> And there's such a good people in that movie back then, too. Bill Paxton and Michael Bean and Paul Reiser and, of course, Sigourney Weaver, you know. Just everybody was great. I even liked the little girl who played Newt. I thought she was really, really good in that movie. Reiser, he was the uh, – what, the the, the Whalen yutani um, like the lawyer or – what was he a lawyer? Something like that. I 
I don't know if he was necessarily a lawyer, if he was just an agent. Like, anyways, yeah, he was yeah. like the other money guy that was going yeah. there. He was their yeah. liaison. A liaison right. is probably the best way. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Corporate liaison. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, Bernie's like, that's it. We're going to. Uh, what is he going to say? We're going to waste this rat face son of a bitch right now. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Why don't you put her in charge? <laughs> oh, I, lo- I love the whole Alien franchise, though. Uh, do you like uh, all the movies? Um, you know, I even like the crossover with Predator. Um, I, I'll say this. I like the one that's set in Antarctica anyways. Okay. That that crossover. AVP, the um, first one, not Requiem. Right. Right, the, the first one, right. I think. That yeah. sounds right. The first one's where they go up and then they go way down in this tunnel into the yeah. snow and stuff. Yeah, you got it, that one. Yeah, I even yeah. like that crossover. So yeah, I liked it too. I think um, Requiem is probably my least favorite. Uh, maybe both of the AVPs are my least favorite, maybe. I like the straight-up Alien movies, and I actually really like Covenant, the newest one. I haven't seen it yet. I'm excited to. I haven't watched it yet. It's, it's, you know, Ridley Scott these days is kind of going a little off the mental deep end, I think. But um, he, this movie is way, he's got a lot of stuff to say in this movie, if that makes sense. Okay, okay. It's almost like social commentary to, or yeah, that kind of thing. It's like, he's got something to say. It's not just him, you know, making another alien movie to make some money. He, he did this movie because he wanted to put some message out and I won't, I won't say anything about what I think that message is or anything. Cause I don't want to spoil the movie for you. You just have to watch it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, he was, uh, he was Prometheus, right? Yeah. He did Prometheus yeah. and he did this one and he did the first right. one. Yeah, he he uh, had quite a bit to say in that and Prometheus also. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about the crossover, they they started setting up that the AVP kind of universe crossover back in what Predator Two, whenever. Uh, yeah, when they had the alien skulls in the ship. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying, buddy? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep, I remember. I liked Predator Two. I just don't remember as much about it as the first one. First it, one it's good. So it's. Good. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to. I mean, the first one's just wonderful. It's, so it's hard to. It's hard to compare to that, but and that uh, was almost again the two different movie styles. You know? It is right, uh, right. The first one again is almost like, even though there was a little bit of an action thing, it almost had that little horror feel to it. It does, the, but the second one, yeah. Not. Well, the setting has a lot to do with it, also. That's you know, the main in my thing. opinion. That yeah. is the main thing. Yeah, yeah. It was almost like it was like a, a detective story in the second one with, with oh exactly cop, right right so right. <laughs> is it uh, Danny Glover? I think it's Danny Glover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. There's a scene of him like, I think he's driving a car and he's like hanging out the side of it trying to shoot his gun or something. Like he's riding the side of a horse or something. I feel like that was in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've got this it, mental it, image in my head now of him doing that. It's it's been a few years since I've seen that one, but well, uh, right. <laughs> long time for me. All right, Jason. Well, what is your number two? Uh, my number two by the great Francis Ford Coppola, Apocalypse Now. Oh. Yep. Nice. Yep. I actually watched that about two weeks ago. The regular or the Redux? I watched the, the Redux two weeks ago. That's six hours of your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was long. It's not. It's not really that long, but it's yeah. what? It it's probably like three it. and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little over three hours, I think. Mm, so, right. um, basically, kind of like so when I'm working, um, I used to just like listen to Pandora, but I um. Being the, you know, the weird collector Blu-ray nerd that I am, Jason, I, when I buy stuff, um, especially I don't usually buy like one movie at a time. I'm buying three or four or I'm buying a TV series. Yeah. I don't have enough time to watch all this stuff. Um, 
So, you know, even though it's much rarer with Blu-ray than DVD, sometimes you get a bad copy and it doesn't work or something. So I always want to know that I've at least watched, you know, every Blu-ray that I own, whether I'm actively watching the screen. Okay. So I've been just playing movies in the background while I'm working that I'm not really watching the screen. I'm just kind of listening to it. Well, I, and if you've seen it three or four times, you can still enjoy, you know, a scene here or there without, you know, 100% attention. So. Right. So that was when I watched Redux. I just had it playing in the background. I wasn't really focused on it. I was just kind of listening to it, and I was doing my, you know, going about my work business. Yeah, that was it. So I, I don't like – got to at least have a little background noise. I can't work in complete silence. So Right, since right. Since I don't work in a typical office, I don't have any noise, you know, so I got to have something playing. And that was just the best way. Like if I know I hear it and I don't – like something all of a sudden doesn't stop talking or something, I know that the Blu-ray is working, <laughs> you know, so I can right, just check right. that off. as like I've watched it. I know it's good, you know. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've actually found two movies that weren't working in the last month and a half. Uh, like what the like the audio track wasn't was it off sync or no what was I mean it? like it was literally the Blu-rays themselves just wouldn't play correctly. Okay, so, gotcha. Like I have to, so I don't think it's not like an overall. This movie is just not good on Blu-ray. I think it was just literally my copy, my pressed Blu-ray was just crap. A bad I, write. Okay. Right, so I need to replace it. So sure. So that's been helpful actually. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, a uh, couple scenes I want to talk about from this, um, specific to sound. Uh, of course, my favorite Doors song, "The End," at the at the start of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of transition between the helicopter blades and his ceiling fan. Mm-hmm. If you remember at the start, he's kind of in the seedy hotel room. Yeah, is uh, that the one I, where he's going crazy and smashing the mirror and all that? Right, right. Well, That's he's exactly you know he's the scene I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. He's he's very borderline to say that. To put it lightly, uh, the, yeah, oh yeah, that's that's wonderful. Um, of course, very famous scene with um, the, uh, the 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 uh, helicopter. What is it? A squadron? I'm not sure how many uh, there are. Eight or ten or Blackhawks, right? I think it was Blackhawks. Uh, yeah, but um, they, they, they're, they're back then. I don't remember. I think they're Hueys. Yeah, it might be Hueys, not Blackhawks. Uh, but uh, uh, playing Wagner, Ride of the Valkyries, great. Oh, yeah. scene. Yeah, iconic scene. So uh, those two, and then toward the end, uh, where Brando's doing kind of his uh, his speech, um, the combination of how they shot it with kind of his face in you know half shadow, right. and he's talking about you know I watched a snail crawl on the edge of a razor blade. Uh, wonderful use of sound in combination with the shot there. So gotcha. three things I wanted to. Uh, talk about specifically that's good i yeah i obviously remember that scene at the beginning in like the hotel where he's acting like a nutcase where he's just mm-hmm. losing it i remember that and then, what's your favorite quote from that movie if you have one? Oh, geez um mine's so easy <laughs> uh i'm gonna say probably uh the guy they call chef Mm-hmm. I believe they call Chef or Cook. He's talking about, you know, he was going to start being that, and they watched him, this beautiful marbled meat they were throwing in the uh, throwing in the, the vats of hot water and watching right. it turn gray, and that's where he had to get out of the cooking thing. So that's that's probably my favorite quote, yeah. <laughs> well, what's Robert Duvall's famous line from that movie? Oh, geez. Uh, got a cigarette? No, Something no, like the, that. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Oh, of course, yeah, of <laughs> that's course. That's my favorite line in the movie. <laughs> Mine's really easy. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, when you said Francis Ford Coppola, I'm like, oh, you might guess something that almost was on my list. I almost put The Godfather on my list. Oh, dude, it's so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I'll, it almost I almost put it in there too. But um, here's the thing, I would feel guilty putting that on a honorable mentions list. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't want to put but it on either it, one just because I wouldn't right. watch it constantly. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jason. What were you no, you're about? fine. You're fine. Okay. I'm good, man. Okay. Um, all right. Well, if you got nothing else to say on that one, I will go to my number one. And my number one, again, is another, like the Psycho, this movie definitely has a soundtrack that almost anyone on the planet is going to recognize if they hear it, even if they maybe haven't seen the movie. Um, I like, and I think this is a... Uh, the movie was done – the sound for this movie was really well done, especially considering that I would say the majority of the movie is actually probably shot outside. Um, it's not a lot of indoor scenes. Um, OK. So my favorite movie with best use of soundtrack is Jaws. Oh, yeah. OK. Wonderful. Wonderful. Love, 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 love that movie. Not my top ten. But I'd, it's like it might be like top ten horror type movies if you consider it a horror movie. Some people it definitely it's definitely horror. I know some people kind of don't think of it as horror; they think it of more like a you know man versus bees survival kind of movie. Well, that, to me, that's a subgenre though. Yeah, it's like a creature feature to me. So right, right. But I I like I even like you know when Jaws is biting down on the boat, the sound of the wood cracking. <laughs> Um, sure. I really liked that. Um, and if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think it was so. Wasn't it Williams that did the music for this movie? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. Let I me mean, look real quick. I'm almost 100 percent sure you're right though. So I the I remember hearing the story, and honestly, I think I believe Keegan on Ghoul Squad, the podcast I keep telling you about, I believe he told the story in one of their episodes that I remember. And they were saying that when Spielberg was making this movie and Williams was, you know, writing up the music, um, Spielberg, like, went to his house and he said, you know, all right, let me hear what you've got. And Williams busted out the whole, you know, theme song to the to the movie, played the whole thing for him. And they said that Spielberg looked at him like, you know, are you kidding me? That's what you've got for me? Like, he wasn't into it at all when he heard the music being played. And then I... I don't recall why they said they actually finally used it. Maybe it was because of time constraints. They couldn't do it. You know, I mean, that's complete speculation on my part. But I do remember hearing the story that Spielberg was like almost laughed at him, saying like he just couldn't believe that that was the music he was playing for his movie, this big, huge, you know, his first big budget thriller movie that he was making, and that was the music he was going to have to put in it. He wasn't happy about it. What was what didn't he like about it? Just I, just the overall sound, or I have no idea. Like I said, I didn't hear like you know I didn't see like a documentary or something where Spielberg was talking about it. I just remember hearing it. I believe like from the guys in the other podcast mentioning that story that they read that story somewhere. Okay, I thought, gotcha. I that was funny, and then it turns out to be one of the most you know well known pieces of music from any movie like ever right everyone knows the sound of jaws coming to attack somebody oh yeah definitely (laughs) there was a lot of things i think like that with the movie like i remember was peter benchley um wasn't happy about the way they ended the movie um and of course you know real life 
um, researchers, scientists, whatever you want to say, have done, have said that that would not have worked, what he did to, you know, to kill Jaws at the end of the movie, it wouldn't have happened. Um, but whatever, it's a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to take some liberties. Yeah, I mean, it's, so I, Peter Benchley, because the ending of the book is different than the ending of the movie. That I'm like 100% sure of. Um, and I guess when he found out what they were doing, he wasn't exactly happy they were changing the ending of the movie. And I'm sure they probably did it, you know, because it may have been, uh, you know, better for a film than to read what happened. And I don't, I, I have not read the book that I recall. If I did, it would have been when I was young and I right. don't remember what the real ending is, but I, if I'm not mistaken, when he, after they filmed that scene, the ending and he saw it, then he was okay with it. He was happy the way it ended. Mm. But okay. at first he wasn't happy with either because he didn't want the ending of his book changed. That was like his baby, right? He was the author, so. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I absolutely love that movie. Been I've seen. I, I couldn't even count how many times I've seen that movie, Jason. <laughs> uh, all right. It looks like we are down to numero uno for Mr. Jason here. Okay, uh, number one, you know what a big Stanley Kubrick fan I am. Yes. Uh, my number one selection for sound is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, obviously. Mm -hmm. like, that thing is full of sound. I mean, Full of sound, <laughs> right. It's like the first half of the movie, there's like no talking or anything. It is just sound and scene. And, I, and you know, I, I was doing some thinking about that, you know, uh, long stretches of, of just no audio or no, you know, no spoken word in different movies. But, um, of course, uh, it has the, the, the great beginning that everybody knows. Richard Strauss thus spoke Zarathustra, you know, with the, with the scene with the planets lining up. Mm -hmm. uh, the the uh, the space station docking scene with uh, Johann Strauss, Blue Danube Waltz, <laughs> and um, I really love uh, the the production that went into the voice of Hal 9000. Oh, yeah, I've awesome. always always been a huge fan of how he was portrayed. So I think Hal was like my favorite part of the movie. Oh yeah, it was wonderful, really wonderful stuff. Hal. And I used to like watching the scene where the guy would be jogging and he would just like basically be jogging. Oh, in a circle? Would right. Be upside down, right. but he's not right. upside down. Right. <laughs> I really like that. Of course, he's one of the, the greatest ever, you know, Kubrick is as far as, as cinematography. So, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, Ashley actually prefers 2010, the year we make contact, to the That's first one. So. Yeah, they're both wonderful, but uh, you know I prefer the first one because uh, you got the scene with the monkeys. You know, the one discovers how to use the tool and mm -hmm. and uh, murder the others. So right, right with the uh, with the uh, monolith. So yep, two thousand one is my uh, number one choice. Nice, that is definitely one of the best sound design movies. Mm -hmm. um, it's you know I tell you that I still watch Big Bang Theory, the TV show, even these days, and um, there's. There's a scene where Sheldon is in bed with his girlfriend Amy, and she's trying to like sing a lullaby to him. He's like, "What are you doing? That's not a lullaby. I'm not a child." And he's like, "Do you know the one, the theme to 2001?" And she's like, <laughs> "Bum bum." He's like, "No, that's a lullaby." And he starts to go, go to sleep. There you go. <laughs> Makes me laugh. So, would you? Uh, is that your favorite Kubrick movie by chance? Uh oh, The Shining. I didn't even think about The Shining. Uh, it's probably my second favorite. There's so many movies that that I always want to mention when we're, 
and just kind of shoehorn into whatever our subject is mm-hmm. uh the shining and then follow dude i don't know I, I love this one i love a clockwork orange i'm a huge fan so uh the only one i i really don't like is lolita just because the subject matter is so creepy but uh, you know i don't even think i like lolita and i don't re- i remember like watching it a long time ago and not liking it and so i couldn't even tell you what it's about anymore i don't mm. even remember uh, it's not. Yeah, I watched it once. I'll never watch it again. So, yeah. Can you guess what my favorite Kubrick movie is? It's not hmm. any of the ones that you've mentioned, though. The Shining is number two. Barry Lyndon. No. Eyes Wide Shut. Well, definitely not. Okay. Hmm. I, I don't know. Tell me. Remember what? where I my history, my background. Yeah. No more guesses. No, what do you got? What do you got for me? Full Metal Jacket. Of course, of course. <laughs> okay. That's my favorite yeah. Kubrick movie. Again, yeah. another movie I just played while working like a week ago. <laughs> Actually, two movies in one. Basically, they're so different. It is. At the beginning it is a hundred percent two movies in one. It's uh, yeah. The 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 post deployment part is it, it's so different. What do I get for ten dollars? <laughs> Uh, what, um, we're gonna have to go video? easy on we're gonna have to go easy on quotes from Full Metal Jacket though you know what I mean <laughs> oh yeah definitely. yeah yeah D'Onofrio excellent job mm. as Private Powell God he's so good in the beginning of that movie he's so, he was like he's like the big lovable Gomer Pyle guy in the beginning right and he becomes this absolutely creepy psycho person in it and they finally found yeah. something he was good at. Oh, and just the look on his face creeps me out even this day. Yep. I dream about that movie. Yep. I have nightmares. <laughs> of course, Arlie Army and uh, his greatest role ever. So. Oh, yeah. And, well, do you know why um, mm-hmm. um, he's really probably so good at that movie? Well, because he was a drill sergeant. Yeah, exactly. He was actually yep. a drill sergeant. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie Frighteners? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Where he yeah. comes up and he's basically a drill sergeant again, <laughs> same same outfit and everything. I don't remember him in that one. I've only I've only seen it once, I believe. But uh, yeah, I don't remember him in that one. That's huh. another one of those movies where I feel like it's uh it's a much better movie than people make it out to be. It's underrated for sure. I know people, you know, you see it and it's a Michael J. Fox movie, and you think it's kind of just a piece of fluff, you know, a kind of comedy or something, but actually it's got a pretty deep story and it's kind of creepy in a way. Um, I really like that movie. Well, all right, Jason, that wraps up our top five list. Should we go down our five, five to one, uh, and I'll start? Sounds good. All right, so for top five uses of soundtrack, my number five, again, is Psycho. My number four is the original Halloween my number three is The Dark Knight. Number two is Aliens. And number one is Jaws. Alrighty. Uh, five to one. My choices are Ravenous at number five, Suspiria at number four, Inglorious Bastards at number three, Apocalypse Now in the number two spot, and 2001 A Space Odyssey in the top position. Awesome, awesome list there, Jason. Thank you, sir. Yourself included. Alright, well, looks like we're getting towards where I now have to give you my idea for episode number three. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Alright, so the reason when you asked me earlier when I gave you my 
question about whether you like movies in black and white. And you said, do you have any movie in particular? Well, I was holding off because that's what leads into what my top five list will be for next episode. Okay. I top, my idea for next episode is the top five movies that you think could have been just as good or maybe even better by being filmed in black and white. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Hmm. And so I know normally we would give each other a recommendation. I literally had three particular movies in mind to recommend to you, and I wasn't they're actually not so big of movies that we've mentioned in some of our lists in the past. Um, so I went and I looked at all the three streaming services and everything, and I couldn't find any of these three on any streaming service or anything. So I I don't think I will recommend a movie to you because I don't think it's fair to you. You won't be able to find these three. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm fine. Hey, I, you know, I might be able to. Tell me what you got. Okay, well then, the one I will for sure recommend to you is Disturbia. Okay. Do you okay. Know that movie? Um, it's um, what's what's that kid's name? Shia is Shia LaPoof. Yes. I call yeah. Him. Okay. Right. Um, right. LaBoof. Yeah, I call him the poof. I know. <laughs> I, I know the premise. It's like you know a suburbia type thing, and what like a murder mystery it's type deal. Literally, basically a different take on the movie you mentioned earlier, which is Rear Window. Rear Window. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but that is something that, uh, like I said, I look for it everywhere. That was my first movie I wanted to recommend to you, and I look for it everywhere, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Okay. Um, so it's like, if you can't find it, don't worry about it. I just felt bad to recommend it to you when I knew it's not as well-known a title, you know, like a big movie that you could find easy. So I had some others, but I want to save them because they might be surprises for my list. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, Jason, how you feeling? I'm good. I'm doing good, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I feel a little uh, happier today. You know, getting the, it's a little better to do the second episode after the first one's in the books, you know. Always better to have one under your belt. Yeah. And uh, something that um, I forgot to mention last um, episode, Jason, that we did talk about, but I never said in the episode itself. Uh, if anybody out there is listening and you guys have any kind of idea for either a top five list you maybe want us to tackle, or you have some interesting question movie opinion you would like to ask we actually have an a email address for the show and it's literally the title of the show celluloid chat at gmail.com no space nothing it's c-e-l-l-u-l-o-i-d chat at gmail.com um, i will check that regularly if we get enough listeners out there that actually want to email us a topic idea a question idea and Tracy, that does mean you. Um, please email us some ideas. And, uh, hey, if we use one of your ideas, we'll say we got it from a suggestion from a fan, right? How does that sound to you, Jason? I think that's a great idea. Please hit us up, guys. That would be a great time. I think it would be uh, – I'm sure that can, some other people out there could come up with some very interesting top five lists that maybe you and I would not come up with ourselves. Right. So. All right, well, I think that will conclude our episode for this evening. So good to talk to you again, Jason. Always a pleasure, always fun time. Same to you, Mike, and uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Yeah, thank you all. Have a good night. See you in about a month. Good night.